Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Content Experience Show podcast. It is Randy Frisch, and I am really excited to run down a fun podcast. I always say that they're fun, but when we get to talk about beer, you know it's going to be a good time. Uh, Now, I I did not play this one well. I didn't have a beer with me, which I, I fully regret because I was really enjoying all the advice that I got from Madeline Caldwell, who is the marketing director at Duclaw Brewing Company. Now, Duclaw is a company that's been around since 1996. They're in something like 20 states. And and it's an interesting talk that we had. Now, you'll love it just if you love beer. But even if you don't love beer, if you're more of a wine person, uh, I think what you'll take away from this podcast this week is just this understanding of how do we compete in industries that have high regulation and high competition? And, and that's definitely the case with beer. I mean, think about what happens every time you walk into wherever you get beer. Again, I'm Canadian, so we go to the beer store, but I know some people may go to a supermarket or a convenience store and you and your liquor store and you walk in there and you've got so much choice, right? And for some of us, we take time where we look at the labels and we try and get a feel for what we're in the mood for. But a lot of that marketing is happening behind the scenes. It's building a brand. It's building affinity, uh, and it's influencing us so that we start to associate these beer co- companies uh, of having personalities of their own. And, and it's interesting you know, to understand with all the choice out there that obviously we start to segment our audiences very much. Um, you know, it's not, unless you're a Budweiser or you know, a Coors or, or a brand like that who's trying to appeal to the masses, a lot of these beers can really appeal to a segment or audience looking for something very specific. And I think for marketers, a lot of us can view our marketing strategies in that way, depending on whether we're trying to solve for the world, trying to segment down, or we're a company just trying to solve for one of those segments. So I think there's a lot of great takeaways from this podcast. You know, try and read beyond the beer. I hope you will open a beer and join us as you take this one in. I'm going to let it roll. We will welcome in just after this, Madeline Caldwell. Welcome, Madeline. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. And I say me again because Anna is on vacation. So it's just you and I, and we get to talk about an area that I know is dear to her heart. So she's going to miss this. It's beer. I mean, it's near (laughs) to so many people's hearts. So this is going to be a fun episode. We get to talk about the marketing of beer, and you are the marketing director at Duclaw Brewing Company. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about, first off, what's your career been like, and, and how did you stumble into beer? Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Randy. I um, I haven't always worked in beer. I have always been a consumer of beer, <laughs> um, but most, most of my uh, career has been in the agency world for like a, a decade or so, and then maybe a year or two of that um, was in-house at a a mental health hospital um, and health system. And so um, the first five years I worked for 
like maybe an 80 to 100 person marketing firm based out of Baltimore, worked on a lot of big brands, um, CVS and Haribo gummy bears and casinos and, and things like that. Um, and then took a little hiatus to work in healthcare more specifically, and then went back to the agency world for a, a PR firm of about 15, 20 people. And then gotcha. I got into working for Duke Law because they were a client of mine at the first agency, just kept in touch and the stars sort of aligned in that way. I was ready to, I was ready to manage less people and get less nervous about client meetings and have a little bit more fun. And so it worked out. Yeah, that's, it's a big shift going from the agency side to the brand side yeah. uh, and being in-house, uh, you know, going both ways. I've, I've spoken to many marketers who've made that shift. Some say they'll never go back to the other side and some miss the other side. So I, I take it you like the new side. I mean, I wouldn't change my path for the world. I, I kind of look back fondly and with horror at the same time at, at the lifestyle and how fast you learn. And um, I mean, agency life is really, really fantastic to be part of at some point in your career. And I always recommended starting it there because you're kind of like, you're you're probably not tied down. You're ready to put in the time and the effort. You're ready to learn, and you're kind of young and hungry. And that was perfect. And and you know I'm always I'm always hungry. Um, so it it was good for me. And then at some point, your priorities shift in in life, and it doesn't mean I I didn't want to want to work hard anymore. I just wanted to work hard on on things that I was passionate about. And beer happened to be one of them. So when the opportunity <laughs> presented itself, I couldn't. I couldn't say no. I think I was worried a little bit about losing that um, innovation and creativity going from the brand or to, from the agency side to the brand side. But that just doesn't happen if you continue to put yourself in those networking events or you know reading the same types of news and um, talking to the same types of people in your industry. You don't lose that. So that was a fear of mine that was unwarranted, at least in my experience. Well, and, and you can be really proud of, of the career you've had, even even working in mental health. Uh, you know, you've got, you, you've, you've checked many boxes there from mental health to beer. I don't know if a lot of marketers would have that on their resume. <laughs> it, but. it was kind of interesting to go from working like in casinos to working with people who are addicted to gambling and, um, you know, working during a, an election year in mental health and with all the mass shootings. And oh, it was man. really a very kind of an amazing, an amazing place to work. And then, and then going into beer, it, it, was, it was an interesting transition. Wow, uh, quite a cross section. I'm sure we could figure out some way to tie a casino, mental health, and beer together. But let's not even try and go there. I'm going to try and keep it light, uh, despite some of the serious topics that you had in there. So tell us a little bit about Duclaw Brewing. How long? I, I mean, these days there, there's a new microbrewery everywhere. There's a new brand. So you know, many. Some of the yes. big beer companies popping up. That sometimes I don't know if it's new or not anymore. So. How, what's the history like at Duclaw and, and how did you get to know them, as you said? Sure. Um, Duclaw is one of, I would say, like the OG breweries in Maryland and probably the, the country. Um, they started in 1996, or I should say we started, and um, is still one of the biggest in Maryland. I think the second or third largest. 
in terms of volume, our team is still pretty lean. There's over a hundred craft breweries in in Maryland, and they pop up, you know, all over. It depends a little bit on um, what state you're in and what the laws are like, and whether you can have tap rooms and things like that. But the activity is really strong um, across the country in craft beer. So it's a really, really crowded marketplace. Um, I got to see from afar the brand sort of be hot and new in the beginning for many years and then go through that awkward period where your brand is, you know, not as new and cool anymore. There's new guys popping up all over and you're sort of forced to innovate and that in-between time is really hard. Um, And then when I came in, a new brand had sort of been built but not executed. And I was kind of like, here we are, we have the new branding, like let's, let's move with it. So they were trending in the right direction and um, we just needed a little push to kind of make it happen. And now we're right there with the, with the young guys. Um, But it's been a really fun ride. So when you, when you speak of innovation there, it got me thinking, right? It it got me thinking, you know, in the beverage industry over many years, if if you look back, even the whole Coca-Cola situation when they came out with new Coke and, uh, you know, they innovated the product and it probably tasted better is what they say, but they didn't figure out how to innovate the brand in the, in the right way to get people excited. So yeah. when you think about innovation for your product line and for your go-to-market, how much of that has to do with what you do from a brand perspective versus what you do from a product perspective? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think different things resonate with different audiences. Um, if you think about craft beer and who drinks craft, you have that core, really craft beer nerd type audience, and they're going to follow great beer. Um, and then you have that sort of fringe audience or that more mass audience that's going to pick a beer off the, up off the shelf that looks interesting. They might be a little bit less brand loyal. They may like a certain style. Um, or they may so, look at the bottle. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. What's popping off the shelf? Exactly. Yes. Like what's on the can or the bottle. Um, And so I think it's really important to marry the two. Uh, The beer needs to be really good and the label designer, the package design needs to be really fantastic in order to get that mass appeal, but not I mean, you need to keep the the craft drinkers there because your product is is so good. So when we look at product development or innovation in that regards, it's really a blend. We kind of all get together, uh, brewers, marketers, operations, sales, and come together and just think, you know, think about what is, what is the market wanting? Um, you know, what could be, what are some new ingredients? What's trending? What could be trending next year? Because we really work pretty far out. Um, we work on a, a pre-sale schedule. So we're working like, f- you know, three, four, five months out. And so we need to, um, you know, try, try to be as, as forward as possible with that. Um, and then taking ideas from all levels. Like someone working on the canning line could be the biggest craft head we have and be on the front lines of what's hot and going to all the can releases and lining up at, at three in the morning to get the first batch of the greatest beer in another right. state. And um, so we all kind of come together to, to, to talk about that and brainstorm. That's great. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast probably tuned in today because they saw the word beer and they were intrigued. So now you're, they're all at that like five minute point where I think where we can take this together, Madeline, is talking about, uh, you know, any industry that someone might be in and that challenge of big, breaking through a very competitive environment. In, in your case, you have another challenge. I want to get to the competitive 
and how do you break through and how do you get distribution in your case? Let's do that in the second half. But one more question that, that you have to tackle is just the regulation. Um, I, sure. I, my first job before I was even in university, like first summer job, I actually worked in a cigarette company for the summer. And it was, <laughs> it was an experience that I won't tell you about today, but it was, it was a learning experience. Um, and I didn't smoke, but, but so it was an even bigger experience. But the, I, I guess the, the question I have for you is, is with all these challenges you have, how, how tricky is it to, to manage regulation? If you really think about any industry, I mean, just in my own experience alone, healthcare, casinos, CPG, whatever it is, there's going to be restrictions, whether it's around your, your product or your packaging or your advertising or, you know, legal reviews and all that. And I guess my take on working in a highly regulated environment is just get your shit together. Can I, I don't know if I can swear yeah, on this, can, but just like get your shit together. Yeah. I think that you need to just spend time on the front end, really understanding the industry and the, and the regulations and what hoops you need to jump through and be very devoted to understanding that process so that you can have very solid process in place on the back end for what needs to be done. Because the most important thing, we're all marketers we need to have room and space and time for creativity. And if you don't get all that stuff in order, then you're going to be wasting so much time with back and forth and reviews. And, you know, we work through what's called the TTB, the Alcohol, Tobacco and Trade Bureau, I think. If, if they kick something back, then it's going to be another three weeks until it gets. So you just can't have that happen. So mm-hmm. um, my biggest thing is just, develop a timeline. It's got, you know, it's going to be a dynamic thing because everything always is, but get it in order so that you can have time for that creativity. Sometimes the best ideas are going to be when you're sitting around petting the brew cats or or trying one of the new beers or or whatever it is. And if you don't really have time to do that, then um, you're not going to have those great ideas. I love that. So get out, take chances and uh, want to dig more into that. But what we're going to do very quickly here is hear from some of our sponsors on this podcast, the Content Experience Show. We'll hear from them and we'll be right back to talk more beer with Madam. Hi, friends. This is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, reminding you that this show, the Connect Show podcast, is brought to you by Uberflip, the number one content experience platform. Do you ever wonder how content experience affects your marketing results? Well, you can find out in the first ever content experience report, where Uberflip uncovers eight data science-backed insights to boost your content engagement and your conversions. It's a killer report, and you do not want to miss it. Get your free copy right now at uberflip.com slash connex show report. That's uberflip.com slash connex show report. And the show is also brought to you by our team at Convince and Convert Consulting. If you've got a terrific content marketing program, but you want to take it to the very next level, we can help. Convince and Convert works with the world's most iconic brands to increase the effectiveness of their content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing, and word of mouth marketing. Find us at convinceandconvert.com. Welcome back to the Connex Podcast. It's Randy here with Madeline. We are talking on beer and we're having a good time with it, talking about Duclaw Brewing. Now, Madeline, one of the things that I always wonder with with a challenge like you'd have, and I'm a B2B marketer at heart, so I, I always think about how do I sell into essentially a distribution channel or perhaps into more of the middleman within the process. 
And when you look at beer, it's it's very much the same, I would assume, because you've got to get someone like me to want to drink the beer, but you got to make sure that someone else stocks that beer because I may not come to your brew house to right. always get that that beer unless you're unless you've got a real local pull, which I know you know happens for some of these you know pop up breweries. How maybe you could talk about that challenge? And what I'd love to get to even is just some of the campaigns you've done that create pull on both ends there, pull with the distribution channels pull through the customer. Sure. Um, yeah, our purest, I would say, audiences are our distributors because we sell through dis- our distributors. But then we also uh, segment our marketing to retailers. And then the end consumer is so important because, you know, distributors are craft beer consumers as well. So, and that, you know, the consumers are what's picking it up off the shelf. So um, our sales and marketing cycle starts with the distributors and um, we do a a pretty strict um, email marketing campaign to all three of those audiences strict in that um, you know we we keep it fun but we are on a a timeline so we don't want to miss the sales cycle and um, just like it is when you're working for an agency or you know in-house somewhere and and people in order to trust you they you need to be very consistent and deliver on what you say you're going to deliver on. And it's the same way when working with distributors, you know, surety of supply, they, they want to know what's coming next. They want it, you always to innovate and we want to do the same thing to deliver to the, the end customer. So I think as much as, um, you know, creative marketing plays a role, it's also relationship management. Beer and craft beer is a really local thing. And I don't just mean geographically, but, people are going to be talking about your beer in forums on Facebook and Reddit. And, um, you know, you're, they're doing reviews on YouTube and people know the personalities behind the beer. They know the brewers. Um, so it's important to just have that level of transparency and, and relationship building. And in the same vein, as, as hard as it is sometimes to do that one-to-one relationship building, that community, the same community is going to go to bat for you if something goes wrong. You know, everyone's going to screw up, but if you have a a great relationship, then that can weather the storm. So, um, that's sort of a big part of marketing for, for us, I would say, um, and having that good relationship with distributors and consumers. So you've definitely made me feel like an amateur beer drinker. Start there. (laughs) Um, I am not on Reddit for this. I'm not, uh, I'm not surfing channels. I'm, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm first off, I'm Canadian as a lot of our listeners. Well, I'm from there. Minnesota. So it's basically Southern Canada. There right? you go. Yeah. You, you love hockey too. <laughs> um, but, but it's, it's interesting up here and it, this is, it's laxing a bit, but we have what's called the beer store for people who haven't been North of the border. Uh-huh. Uh, and when you go into the beer store, you, you basically, you know, there's not a lot of marketing done, right? There, you know, the only marketing that happens a bit is the, you know, the Coors Light, the Budweiser equivalents, things like that. They get prominence, but otherwise it's just a wall of beer. So mm-hmm. like you said earlier, the bottle art, things like that can help stand out. Yes. But ultimately I'm going into that store with a with, with an impression of that beer, you know, with, you know, and as you said, it, it may happen through some of these forums. It may happen in different ways. And I think that's true for a lot of us with any solution that we may buy, right? You know, we go in and we already have our view form. So what is, what's a campaign that you run or a, you know, a creative play that you've done that's, that's really helped cement that impression someone has with your brand when they walk into the store where they're going to buy? 
Sure. Um, well, in addition to having a, a fantastic product, we try to be a little bit cheeky and I think we're known for this a little bit. So one recent beer we created is called Dad Bod, um, which I think resonates pretty well with everyone. Even, you know, everyone ha- has a dad or had a dad or is a dad. Um, and there's a, a, a dad, a stereotypical dad bod on the can. And what that did for us was it allowed us to stand out a little bit in the double IPA, um, you know, on the shelf because there's a lot of double IPAs out there. And we were able to generate a lot of earned media around that. It was on Good Morning America last week and we got a bunch of other other buzz. So that really helps. But then um, on the flip side of things, we are developing a, a beer called Regular Beer because a lot of people were asking, uh, you know, we do a lot of sours and stouts and double IPAs and things like that. A lot of people say, well, do you just do any regular beers? So we just kind of took that and flew with it. And we made a very simple, you know, well-designed, but very simple can white with black writing and the subtext, the subhead I think was like a beer that tastes like beer. It's a, a an American craft Pilsner. Um, so like we, that. that'll help, help stand out because this, this craft shelf is just a sea of, of over-designed packages. Right. And just, you know, kind of playing against the, the craziness and, and the simplicity right. of, of, of calling it what it is in some cases helps someone right. simplify their choice. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I, I'm curious what your, what your diehards will, will think about that, but <laughs> we'll have to uh, wait and see. definitely simplifies it for the, you know, the, the, the guys like me who, who lack knowledge when it comes to beer, but still enjoy it. Probably know more than you think. <laughs> uh, you're just being nice, but I appreciate it. Uh, all right. This has been a lot of fun. I, what I want to do is, uh, first off, where, where should people go look for this beer when, they, when they're looking to buy Duclaw? Where's and, and I'm Canadian, so can I even get Duclaw up in Canada? <laughs> I think we are in Canada a little bit. Yeah. Um, okay, good. I, I couldn't I'm, tell you where. I'm going to look for some regular beer. Sure. Uh, We're in in about, by the time this airs, I think we'll be in about 20 states, mostly Northeast and and Southeast, getting a little bit into the Midwest. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. So I want to take a a short break. If you've got some time uh, to stick with us, Madeline, we'd love to get to know you a little bit more beyond the beer that you drink, the things that you do, the tick that make you passionate to come in every day. So stick around on the podcast. We will be right back. With Madeline. Hey everyone, I wanted to take just a few seconds today to talk to you about Emma. Emma is an email marketing platform that helps you connect with your audience and grow lasting relationships. They're awesome. They offer really intuitive tools to build and automate emails with powerful segmentation and reporting too. And the big difference is they're focused on you. Between their award-winning support and their pro services team, they make sure every customer has success with their email marketing. Seriously, they are amazing. You can learn more and request a demo today at myemma.com slash J is awesome. Again, that's myemma.com slash J is awesome. All right, Madeline, thanks a lot for sticking around. Uh, so I, I got to do some digging on you, and I, obviously you like beer. I mean, that's, that's quite true. It's clear that it's not a, just a job for you. It's a passion. Uh, but another area that, that I've learned that you're passionate about is running. Now, one of the things I'm always curious about is when, when someone goes to do a long run, you know, maybe it's a, a marathon or a half marathon. I know you've done both. Uh, what is that meal 
that they go for just before the long run. Yeah. You know, like I oh. have some friends who they actually, they, they're insistent that they need to have a beer and like a burger, like something intense <laughs> because they just, they need to carry through. So, you know, you know, two part question, what is that meal and does beer get involved before or after the race? Oh, um, well the meal is peanut butter toast with a banana. That's easy. Okay, that sounds really half, half a very healthy and well well thought out. <laughs> um, beer always after. Although I did run one race that gave us wine throughout the race. It was in it was Napa to Sonoma half marathon. It was fantastic. Oh wow! Um, but yeah, beer always right after the race, first thing you drink. So say when they were giving this wine at what stages? Like at, at certain checkpoints instead of like all, a Gatorade situation. Like there were different wineries were sampling. They were they were passing out little Dixie cups full of different wines along the course. You got to do it. You know why else are you going to Napa <laughs> and Sonoma to run a half marathon? So did anyone look unnormally wobbly in the last was, yeah mile or two? It was pretty lovely. I think it was kind of like you're taking like a, a noon or like a goo gel. You know along the race, it worked. That's amazing. That's amazing. maybe that's your new distribution strategy for Duclaw. You know, I'm like all in. Yeah. new samples at the places that you least expect. Like you know, the <laughs> gorilla gym. sampling. Yeah, <laughs> at, at the gym, in between reps, you're just you know, you're, you're taking <laughs> in some regular or or dad bod to your point. Right? I mean, uh, play play up to the stigma, of course. Uh, anyhow, this has been so much fun. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you spending some time with us. If people want to also just check out Duclaw online, like what's a, what's a good place to get a feel for the brand? Is it a website? Is it a I think the, the best place is Instagram. So it's Duclaw Brewing Co. on Instagram. Amazing. So you heard it there. Check out Duclaw Brewing Co. on Instagram. If you've enjoyed this podcast with Madeline Caldwell, you'll enjoy a whole bunch of others that we have. You can find them on Spotify, on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Google Play. These days, anywhere podcasts can be found. When you enjoy that podcast, leave us a review. Let us know what we're doing well, or let us know where we can improve to make this more impactful to help you be a better marketer. Until next time, it's Randy Frisch. I'm in absence of, of my side partner, Anna Harak, but she'll be back soon. Until next time, thanks for listening to the ConX Podcast. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.